1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Laura McGoodwin. You know what none of us have? Time to waste on busy shadow work. Donna McGeorge, a productivity coach, author, and speaker, is here to share what the existing concepts of time management and productivity get wrong, how you should spend your first two hours to make the most of your whole day, why 85% is all the effort you really need to give. Plus, Donna will share some chat GPT tips to save you time and make you more productive in life. If you love the advice that we share each week, please be sure to share this episode, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. One review equals a thousand new downloads, and that's the best way that you can support our show. And now, this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Okay, so briefly share what you do as a productivity expert.
3: Such an interesting question, because I feel like I do lots of things, but I never feel terribly busy when I'm doing them. So (laughs) I write books, I write magazine articles, I present, I'm a professional speaker, I'm a coach. So I do all the things that help people have space for what's important.
2: How did you get into productivity? Were you always the friend who loved to organize closets and pantries or where did that come from? I I, I wish I actually
3: (laughs) I think it started being born into a military household. So my dad was in the Royal Australian Navy, and that meant that we moved around a lot. As kids but then that also came with the structure and order and routine and punctuality all that sort of stuff and then of course because I at one point in my life I went to nine schools in nine years and so being I know right (laughs) being the new girl at a school made you an easy target so I had to really figure out very quickly how to make friends fast how to figure out who's who in the zoo how to catch up on the work. So, I wasn't left behind. So, it made me very adaptable and focused. And and that kind of then led to, you know, I was that person at work that no matter how much work you threw at them, I could just get it done. Even bosses would say, you don't seem to have enough to do because you, you know, you finished work at a reasonable (laughs) hour and you seem cheerful. And so I'd say, well, give me more then. And I'd still get it done. So, that led to teaching others how I work and then writing books. Yeah. Which brings me to your podcast.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, I'm curious, what annoys you the most about the current concepts that people teach about time management or productivity? Like when you read these things in a magazine, you're like, I can't stand it. People have to stop saying that. Look, I think
3: probably um, at risk of ups, I hope I'm not going to upset any of your listeners. Um, I'm really anti the, mostly it's the bro movement around getting up at 4.30 in the morning and doing a two hour (laughs) workout. And, and, and so that, that really bugs me, this idea that, In order to be productive, you've got to be up uh, like before the sun comes up. I do not subscribe to that at all because I'm a huge fan of plenty of sleep. So I'd say you'll be much more productive if you had a solid eight hours sleep than getting up at 4.30 in the morning and trying to get ahead of the curve. Now, I know a lot of very famous CEOs do that. I'm just like, nah, that's not how I roll. And I think this idea of being 100% on 100% of the time I don't subscribe to that at all. I actually think we only need to be on like about 85% on, about 85% of the time, and we get a lot more done and probably just unstructured to-do lists. I do think it's important to get stuff out of your head, but the idea that you just stick it all down a page, pages and pages of stuff is not useful. So figuring out how you can, you know, I've got got lots of stuff around how do you do a to-do list in a way that's actually you know, productive and helpful.
2: Yeah. It's interesting you're talking about like the bro movement or like, you know, the person who doesn't eat lunch so they can get more done. But really what they've learned is taking breaks actually helps you get more done. But we still have this, this badge, like productivity or busyness is this badge of honor, right? Like we write about it. We know the Instagram memes about it, but it still sometimes I think hits all of us. What is the difference do you see between being productive versus busy? Because there is, I think of a dangerous fine line there sometimes. Oh, look, there is. So I think busy sometimes comes about because we don't pay enough attention to what I
3: call shadow work. So productive is I'm getting done all the stuff that I need to get done, the most important things. And it's not just work. It's, you know, I know I've had a productive day when I've got through the things I need to get through and I've still got some energy left for my hubby and family in the evening. I'm not kind of just sacked out on the couch and, you know, basically talk to the hand because I've got no words left, right? Yeah. And so it, it isn't just about work stuff. It is also about are you doing the things in your personal life that you really need to do? I'm okay with good busy, I've got, let's define good busy and bad busy, right? So there's this idea that you can do, I can be busy doing good stuff or I'm bad busy because I'm stuck in this what I call shadow work, the stuff that just fills up our days and we don't really realise it till we get to the end of the day and we've got nothing done. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I answered your question that felt like a bit of a ramble. No, but- it
2: does. I mean, I'm thinking, no, you are, because I'm thinking of shadow work as being like the things that work that, you know, when you spend 20 minutes with a colleague talking, I don't know, gossiping about someone else, what? like that's shadow work, right? Yeah. Like that's so unnecessary and it takes your time. Or I don't know, instead of doing the work, you're spending 30 minutes trying to decide who's supposed to be doing the work. Or I, I'm trying to think of like, what are examples of shadow work in the workplace?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also the stuff that doesn't make it on the KPIs or Gantt charts or project reports or anything like that. It, it could be the email that you're just processing all day. If you're a leader in an organisation, it could be the people stuff. So you might get a KPI around, you know, engage your people, but the actual work to do all of that is quite time consuming. And so it's all the things that that happen that don't get recognised and we forget to allow yeah. time for them. And they happen all the time, right? And so you're right. There's there's lots of things we can not do, like, you know, gossiping or, you know, social media browsing or whatever, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm anti-fun because I am. I actually think, you know, having conversations and going out to lunch and grabbing a cup of, co- cup of coffee with a colleague is, is important. That's why we work is often in, in large organizations. I think that's important. But I think your listeners will know the difference between a productive conversation with a colleague versus a non-productive. So the gossiping, the putting people down, the talking behind people's backs, the moaning, the complaining, not terribly useful. But you know, the conversations that fill you with joy and nourish your soul, absolutely you want to make yeah. be making sure you're doing those.
2: Yeah. Give you clarity about a responsibility, yes. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Raise your hand if any of this sounds like you. You obsessively follow that super credible quote health expert on TikTok. You take all the latest supplements, even the ones that don't taste so great going down. You follow your coworkers' nine-step skincare routine plus an eight-step hair slash grooming routine every night religiously. So you listen to all these health-obsessed folks, but when was the last time you went to an actual real doctor who's amazing? If you had to think about that, then it's time to head to ZocDoc. There are thousands of top rated doctors on ZocDoc. They're all listed with verified patient reviews, So you can find and book a doctor who not only has years of experience and an actual medical degree, but also gets you ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top rated patient review doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for the ones who take your insurance that are located near you and treat almost any condition you're searching for. These docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. So that's always good. And the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even score some same day appointments. Once you find the doc that you want, you can book them immediately with just a few taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist or just taking literally half your day. I've used ZocDoc to book appointments with different specialists, and each time it was so easy to navigate. I've literally made an appointment while I was waiting in the line at the grocery store to go see an endocrinologist because I have hypothyroidism. And I was able to get that appointment with doctors who I knew ahead of time took my insurance. They were located near me. I read some patient reviews. They were amazing and they had availability. So for me, it was amazing and everything I was looking for. If this sounds amazing to you, go to ZocDoc.com Contessa and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. One more time. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Contessa. Zocdoc dot com slash contessa. I want to talk about your book, the first two hours. So obviously, you, you're all about productivity and how, and and we're all desperate to sort. Like, I guess. For me, I can only speak for myself, but I'm assuming some of the listeners feel this way too. I have a job. I have kids. I'm trying to have a life. I'm trying, like, I have all these balls in the air and I I cannot figure out how to keep them straight or how to get it all done. And maybe I need to examine my list of what's being productive and what's being busy in the shadow work for sure. But also you have a book called The First Two Hours. Explain the concept of the first two hours and what this means. Really, it's about paying attention to
3: the clock in your body rather than the one on the wall. And so I think, you know, working in daylight hours, nine to five is a construct that came out of the industrial revolution. And we haven't really questioned that for a while, for a very long time. And then what happens is we get into work and we treat every hour as if it's the same. And actually the way your body clock works, our, our circadian rhythms, that we're more mentally alert in the mornings. Uh, We're happier in the mornings. Heaps of studies have been done around this. One of my favourites is that a study done out of the UK in the government area got people just to jot down how they're feeling at certain times of the day. And it was overwhelming. In the mornings, people are happier, cheerful, more inclined to be influenced. So if you're trying to motivate or influence someone, do it in the morning. And also because we're more mentally alert and have more mental agility in the morning, you shouldn't be wasting that doing like processing all your emails and terrible meetings. So the afternoon is better for process work, stuff that doesn't require as much brain power because we're more physically dexterous and we can do routine, ritual kind of stuff. So that's a good time to do whip meetings and stuff like that in the afternoon. But you should predict. Now, it's the first two hours at work, not necessarily first two hours upon waking, that would be the bro movement. And I don't subscribe to that. Although I do suggest you have breakfast. I do suggest you do that, but this (laughs) is more. Have a
2: moment in the morning. (laughs) Right, You really
3: should. (laughs) But certainly your first two hours at work are really critical and you should protect them. That's really where it came out.
2: Yeah. I love that advice. And I, I completely noticed that in my work patterns. I am really good about sitting down and like getting through a project in 30 minutes that if I try doing the same project at 3 p.m., it's gonna take me like two hours. And it's just like I it just doesn't come to me as easily, right? Right. And not only that, you might even make some bad decisions, right? So if you've got a really important decision
3: to make, you know, if I'm thinking in a in a corporate kind of context and maybe you're the person that is gonna make the call about whether someone we spend a million dollars with this company or two million dollars with this company, and you get to the afternoon and you're tired and you're worn out and your brain's not set. So you just say, oh, I'll just do the two million one, one," right? So you're not making great decisions either. So I say put them off to the morning. I think sometimes in the afternoon, I use that afternoon time to set myself up for success the next morning. So the book's called The First Two Hours and it splits an eight-hour day. And I get that people often work more than eight hours, but just for the sake of ease, it splits it, splits it into you know four two-hour quadrants of so the first, second, third, fourth, two hours. So the first two hours really good for mental mental stuff second two hours when you need to share genius with others that's a great time to do one-on-one team me- meetings and you know help people with whatever they need help with our third two hours is where we have a real dip in energy so that's a good time to do your email now if people are mm-hmm. thinking what oh you know i'm waiting till after lunch to do my email that's crazy talk that's the best time to do it because you don't want to waste that that earlier part of the day then the last two hours i like to dedicate some time to make the next day a success. So what could your future self thank you for? Now, just in case anyone's thinking you're spending a whole two hours on that, no, it's just that's the best time to do that stuff. So you might not spend the whole two hours doing something that requires a bit of deep thinking and you won't spend the whole two hours in the third two hours doing emails and stuff and taking breaks and, you know, but it's the best time. But that's
2: the time to do it.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I love that. And I'm curious for the people who do procrastinate out there, and I'm certainly guilty of this, do we procrastinate because of the, you know, our rhythm is off or what, what causes the procrastination, especially, you know, there's this funny meme where it's like, you know, that thing's been on my to-do list for two weeks. I've agonized over it. It taught me, or I did it in 10 minutes. Will I learn anything from this? And the meme goes, no, I won't, you know, and it's a joke that you like, you'll repeat this pattern. I'm curious. Why do people procrastinate with that kind of stuff?
3: Gosh there are so many reasons. So first of all, there's a bunch of reasons. Like We avoid pain. So anything that appears to be a painful thing, we try to put that off. It might not actually be that important to us. We just haven't prioritised it in a way because you don't procrastinate at all around the things that are really important to you. Maybe we just don't like doing something. So we put them off or maybe we thought it was a good idea at the time we put it on our list and now it's not such a great idea. So I'm not such a fan of you know, saying stop procrastinating because there are some some context where giving something a little bit more thought can be useful. Which is often why people say I procrastinated and then it only took me ten minutes to do it. You've actually been thinking about it a lot. It's been going yeah. around in your head a lot. So by the time that you do sit down to do it, we'll never know. Now, does it take only ten minutes because you've already done the work in your head, or was it only ever going to take ten minutes? Hard to tell. Right. So I don't worry so much about that. But what I find is that we procrastinate because sometimes we're trying to think about doing something and it's just the wrong time of day and our brain's not in the right shape for that. And so right. I encourage people, and I'll share this with your listeners. It's a free template that I give around how you do a to-do list according to the four quadrants. So I find I don't procrastinate much because I put you know, things that are relatively easy and I can burn through quickly go into the third two hours of the day. And so after lunch, when usually I'm feeling, you know, a little bit flatter and don't have as much energy. And there's boom, there's this whole list of really easy things I can just churn through. Yeah. And so I'll give you that because I think when we carve our day up that way, we're doing the things at the right time of day and we tend to be a bit more energized by that, which might reduce our procrastination a bit.
2: I can say from personal experience, I know exactly what you mean. So like when you get in the dip after lunch, you already have the list there, but then you're able to make progress on that list and it feels, it like gives you this energy boost because you're like, oh, instead of sitting around scrolling Instagram, I was really productive with my time and that feels good.
3: Right. And so I think there's another global authority on productivity, I can't think of their name right now. (laughs) And that's really rude of me to not remember the one that wrote the book around
2: eat the frog, eat that frog. And, it, and I just gave this advice the other day. Yes. So but I didn't know do, who said it either. So <laughs> do the big thing first is, the, is that. Yeah. So
3: I'm a little bit counter to that because for the very reason you just said, sometimes we procrastinate because the thing that we're thinking about doing is a big frog. Like it's a big thing and it's not going to be a big pleasant yeah. job to do. So I'm more on the side of how, what, what would happen if you did a whole bunch of simple things first. So I know that's kind of counter to my, my first two hours kind of thinking, but creating momentum. So I think momentum trumps motivation, right? So often we're waiting to be motivated to do this big thing. But whereas if we do a few things first, create the momentum, get the dopamine going in the body, the the ticking off of things, it sometimes makes that bigger thing a bit more palatable. So there you go. I've broken my own rules straight up. (laughs)
2: Well, I like it. I want to get into some of your other tips and rules because you have so many productivity tips, but let's review a few important ones and how they can really help people be productive and not busy because we're all in a place in our life where we do not have time to just be doing busy. So your first tip is about booking a weekly or daily meetings with yourself. Explain what that means and how it helps.
3: Right. So, if anyone's listening right now. My question to you—sorry—they are listening. Of course, they are listening right now. My question <laughs> to you would be: How do you feel when a meeting gets cancelled? Now, most people respond with "woohoo!" Like you know, I have a whole hour, you know, where I get to choose what I do. Now, I'll probably still do work, but at least I'm—I've—it kind of feels like you're sh- unshackled from whatever it might have been. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I had an executive coaching client who, who told me that you know. That's my most productive time is when people cancel a meeting. And I said, Look, just play that one back in your head for a second, because you're telling me that you're only productive because someone else creates space for you. And he kind of thought about that. And we, we nicknamed them purple patches. And so I said, You need to create purple patches for yourself. Don't be at the mercy of someone else canceling a meeting. And so I suggested that he book, book a meeting with himself. And any of your listeners can do this book a meeting with yourself. If you want to cancel it, you know, so you get that woohoo feeling, go for it. But basically, a meeting with yourself where, you get to choose what you do in that hour. And so, so many of us end up in back-to-back meetings all day. At least one of them with yourself gives you the chance to catch your breath, catch up on what you need to do. And it's also a bit of a buffer. So I talk about needing to uh, have about a 15% buffer daily or weekly in your calendar for wh- for when things go wrong. And so yeah. when I say to people, how often do you get a curveball or something unexpected or an emergency or perceived emergency happens and they say oh every day I said then you got to protect an hour every day for that because that's what has us feel busy right we plan our day thinking it's going to be an awesome day and a whole bunch of stuff comes flying in shadow work or whatever comes flying in and now we end up having to work longer because we didn't make accommodations for that so yeah it's just time in your diary Uh, that's yours.
2: It also, I feel like makes you a little less anxious if you've already built in the buffer time Mm -hmm. than if you're trying to find the time later in your week. So I totally see how that helps you be more productive, not busy. Yeah. So
3: I have a whole day. I usually leave Fridays free and I can choose what I do on those days. Sometimes, you know, I might have an opportunity to be a guest on someone's podcast. So I know I've got some buffer time in there to do that. And like, I don't know whether this is the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is you build in an hour or a half day or a full day like me, and then you don't need it for anything. Yeah.
2: It's like a little gift to yourself, like a, a staycation, you know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I've so- had that happen. Something got canceled on a Friday. I remember I went and got a smoothie and I sat outside to drink it and I was like, I feel like I'm on an actual vacation right now. Like, because I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was time that was given back to me. So I totally know what you mean by this. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, just, I just want to read
3: something to you that I found on social media today that I thought was really interesting because it's about doing that very thing. What happens when we do get a bit of spare time? It's by a lady called Nicola Jane Hobbs. And it says this, right? Growing up, I never knew a relaxed woman, successful women. Yes. Productive women, plenty anxious and afraid and apologetic women, apes of them, but a relaxed woman, An at ease woman, women who aren't afraid to take up space in the world, women who prioritise rest and pleasure and play, women who give themselves unconditional permission to relax without guilt, without apology, without feeling like they need to earn it. Not sure I've met a woman like that. And I haven't stopped thinking about that since I saw it, because what you just described is exactly what we should do. You've freed up some time that was unexpected. Go grab a smoothie, sit in the sunshine and let your brain have a rest but we often feel so guilty about doing that. Oh, I can't do that. I can't take time for myself. I should fill it with more work. I'm here to tell you that work is relentless. It will never go away. It is always going to be there, you know, so you might as well have a rest.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Everyone was just given permission. That's a really good point. There you go. Permission granted from your auntie, Donna. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. Hoping to budget your food expenses this holiday season? Get more bang for your bite with America's Best Value Meal Kit. Our sponsor, EveryPlate, is cheaper than takeout with no hidden fees, so you can add more items to your cart for delicious holiday meals. Plus, only pay for what you need with pre-portioned ingredients. EveryPlate meals are 50% cheaper than your average fast, casual meal. They're the easiest way to eat affordably. Put the money you save towards making holiday plans. Plus, you're making a sustainable choice by choosing every plate. Every plate offsets 100% of their delivery emissions and their meals have a 31% lower carbon footprint on average than supermarket meals of the same portion. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas in the United States. At first, I was a little skeptical because I thought maybe I would get tired of eating the same food choices every single day, but that's not how it works. It's a really delicious variety of meals provided by every plate. You never get stuck in a cooking rut. They've got over 26 tasty and affordable recipes that change every single week, so it's easy to find something flavorful and satisfying for every meal of the day, like breakfast 24/7 or 15 minute or less meals. They've also got big batch faves, so if you've got like a you know big family gathering, you have that that you can count on. Plus, you can add even more delicious options to your order with over 25 convenient sides, lunches, snacks, desserts, and more. Definitely, when I'm having busy weeks, sometimes I'll throw a couple of those in there as well. So for me personally, the time saved with every plate is my favorite thing. Sometimes after a long work day, the last thing you want to do is to figure out what to make for dinner and every plate saves me all the time with that on those especially those busy weeknights and i actually look forward to making the meal especially since i haven't had to spend all the time trying to think about what am i going to cook and where am i going to get it so it it saves me kind of that mental load so we've partnered with Every Plate to offer a special deal for Career Contessa podcast listeners you can get a meal for $1.49 plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com/podcast and then entering the code 49 pod. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem the $1 stake. One more time, that's a dollar forty-nine meal plus one dollar stakes for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast. And then make sure you enter the code 49 tccpot pod. So like the career contesta pod. So 49 tccpot pod. Okay. Your second point, we already went over it, which is about paying attention to the clock in your body rather than yes. the one on the wall, which is the first two hours. And the number three on the list was you don't have to be a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. I really like this advice as well, because I've kind of have said this on the podcast before, not everything needs to be get an A plus grade. And I'm thinking you're, you're thinking similar lines. So explain this one a little bit to us. Yeah.
3: So I think we've been sold this for years. I don't want to sound like a communist or a socialist right now, but the capitalist model is that you make the most out of the resources you have available to make the most amount of money, right? That's just in a very simplistic level. If there's any economist listening right now, they're going to say that's it, but you get the idea. <laughs> and so it's it's in an organization's interests to push their people to be 100% on 100% of the time so we can get the maximum amount of resu- results we get. So this idea that 100% on... Is the norm and, and that's the most productive way of doing it. It's just been around for a really long time. But lots of studies have shown that when people operate at about 85%. So you're giving, so that works out to, you know, if you you know 15% buffer, which I mentioned earlier, it's about an hour a day. So if you only planned your calendar to, to be only 85% full, if you decide today that you're only going to use 85% of your energy, that you're going to submit work when it's 85%. Good enough, right? Just to keep it moving. So, so we do. We kind of feel it's 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 rooted in perfectionism. I have to do this a hundred percent thing. It has to be a hundred percent perfect. But actually, funnily enough, your eighty five percent could be someone else's one hundred percent, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just about just taking a bit of the pressure off yourself, taking the foot off the pedal. Now, it could lead to an awkward conversation with your boss, right? So. Your boss says, you know, you know, twenty twenty four next year. You know, what can I expect from you? And they're expecting you to say hundred twenty percent, boss. I'm going to give hundred twenty percent. And so when you say, you know what, I'm going to give you eighty five percent, it's going to be a bit of an awkward conversation. But in truth, giving eighty five percent, you're going to get more done because it is the rest, yeah. the downtime, giving your brain a break, and you actually, and, and you know, following the other things around clocking your body stuff you actually get through mountains of work compared to the false economy of working while you're tired or exhausted or overwhelmed. just doesn't work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love this because I'm a big fan and I talk about it on the podcast a lot about the dream job doesn't exist, ditch that and instead pursue the good enough job. And I feel like what you're describing is sort of like encapsulated in that, which is you know, dream jobs are a myth. They don't exist or they expect so much out of you that you are giving 120% and you you just, the battery is getting drained constantly. And then shocker, you're burnt out or you've done something that you, you can't recover from. And so I love the advice of 85% is for a lot of, your 85% also might be someone else's 100%. But to be able to say, I'm gonna give 85% is, is tremendous. It's it's the yeah. It's that good enough job, that good enough scale that we're trying to get to.
3: You know, I don't know if you've read, and I'm looking up at my bookshelf, 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. If you haven't. I haven't. It talks about, it's called that because, you know, it sounds a little bit like be a bit of a Debbie Downer. We've got 4,000 Weeks to Live on the Planet. I'm more than halfway through mine. So the idea is it's meant to give you that stop, oh, wow, moment where you go, gee, how well have I used the time I've had and what am I going to do with the rest of it? So that's one part. But he talks about settling so which is very similar to what you're saying. So this idea that we're told so often don't settle don't ever settle in a relationship don't settle in a job. Yeah. But actually he's he's on your side with this. He would say we too often are looking for the dream job or the dream partner or the dream whatever and so and so we miss what's right in front of us. So that he doesn't use this phrase I don't think but one of my favorites is the grass is greener where you water it. And so yeah. settling with or staying with or committing to is much more productive, given we're talking about that, because you, you're focused on on that. piece. Yeah. And not that I would feel like I've settled with my husband, but I've been we're, we're coming up on 33 years of marriage, and we water the grass, you know. And yeah. and I just think, you know, there we go. Relationship advice from your auntie Donna you didn't really come for that today, but <laughs> it actually makes life easier once you've made yeah. that commitment.
2: I love that. I'm totally embracing settling 85%. What, the book was called 4,000 Weeks. Yeah, 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Okay, I'm going to put that in the show notes for everybody because this is a podcast, but it's also sort of a book club because we're always <laughs> oh, giving book <well, laughs> uh, advice. If I could
3: do it without being disruptive, I'd show you my copy. It's got all tags all in it and notes and scribbles. I just found it really useful.
2: <laughs> well, good. That That's the endorsement we need. Okay, I want to wrap up with your your last tip for how to be productive versus busy, Mm -hmm. which is do things that your future self will thank you for. So explain that one to us. Right. So this is
3: either making one big decision that saves me making a million decisions down the track. So it can be anything from, you know, I had one year, I decided I'm not drinking alcohol this year for the whole year. And that just saved me a gazillion decisions down the track of, whether I'd have a glass of wine or a gin and tonic or a cocktail or whatever. So making that one big decision that stops you from making a whole pile of others, that's one aspect of it. The other is at the end of the day, we have probably we have a little slight uptick of energy typically in terms of our body clock. So we have a dip around three o'clock, but around four o'clock in the afternoon, we start to get a little bit of a second wind. And I'd love people to think in that last half hour to an hour of their workday, what are three or four things they could do that would make the next morning awesome? And so it can be little yeah. things like I draft the email, but I check it tomorrow morning before sending it. Or I I prep half the slides, but I check them tomorrow morning before, you know, doing the final work. I mean, for me, I pack my bag the night before. I, I always decide what I'm wearing the night before. If I'm needing to take meals, so meal planning is an awesome example of this. You know, you do a bit of meal planning and preparation on the weekend. If you're a working parent, saves you a world of pain um, throughout the week, right? And so I know they sound really like small things, but it's they can have just such a tremendous impact. So then you start your next day in really good shape, and then it can be little things like you know that everything should have a home. So decide right now all the things that you can never find when you need them. So your glasses, your your phone charges your remote controls your car keys your your purses wallets whatever decide right now where they have a home and then remember to put them back right the putting it back is the thing your future self thanks you for but you know the keys live in the bowl by the door and i put them back and then i can pick them up so i know they sound a bit you know small but gee there's those small little things just have such a big impact
2: I think that too. I mean, I when you said meal planning, especially when you're a parent. So I do meal prepping every weekend for my kids to make feeding them easier throughout the week. And to be honest, I've done that for so long because the idea of having to think on the go just drives me nuts. And we got back late from a vacation. This was a long time ago and I didn't get to meal prep. And so during the week I had to like do that. And I'm telling you, it was it was a huge time suck. They were upset because the food wasn't ready fast enough. And it was just one of, one of those funny things where I was like, this is such a reminder of why I do some of these things the day before, yes, or you know, the weekend before. Yeah, I'm maybe a little type A and I wanna do it, but I also am trying to make the most of the time that I have during the week and these things almost like calm that anxiety or take that one thing off my plate. And that to me is priceless, you know, to have one less thing on your plate so because you know, it's been done. You're like, so thankful to, you know, organize Lauren on Saturday. On now Wednesday, let me, let me give you
3: a little tip. So my most recent book that I wrote was called the chat GPT revolution, how to simplify your Working life admin. And what I'll do is I'll share a, another free little link for people around some yeah, because we love
2: ChatGPT around no, here. <laughs> no, I love it.
3: And my favourite thing is meal planning. So you say to it, yeah. you know, we're a family of five, maybe we've got a type 2 diabetic or we've got someone who's got a gluten intolerance or a nut allergy or whatever or meat doesn't like peas. And mm-hmm. so can you please create a meal plan for seven days, the meals that can be prepared in less than 30 minutes with the minimal amount of ingredients that even preteens could cook if you've got preteens. So then you can have it up on the fridge. And you know yeah. your kids could even prepare if they wanted to. And and then it gives you all the recipes. And then you say, now give me a shopping list in the order of insert your favorite supermarket, right? And it'll give you the yeah. shopping list in aisle order. That's
2: that's a game yeah, changer. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolute game changer. Yeah. I have not used Chat for my life yet, and I know. That I should. So, okay, that was a great tip. One more tip, just before we wrap up. I know we were going to wrap up, but since I love ChatGPT, what else do you use it for that is saves you so much time in your your like life admin? Any
3: time of planning, so or anytime I'm stuck, I don't know how. I wonder how I could start. You know, anytime I have that kind of thought in my head, boom, I call it Charlie. I go straight to Charlie and ask Charlie. But I think probably the one that saved me a heap of stuff is gift ideas. So when mm, I go yeah. Google gift ideas for fathers around Father's Day, it would just send me to a whole, like Google sends me to a whole bunch of Pinterest sites, which is fine, but I kind of get lost down a rabbit hole. When I go to ChatGPT, I say, give me 20 gift ideas for my father who's in his late 70s. He has an interest in music. He plays clarinet and saxophone, was in the military, likes reading, you know, Jack Reacher kind of books. Give me 20 gift ideas. So I don't say just give yeah. me one. I say give me twenty, and out of those, I reckon half a dozen are going to be pretty useful. You know, my daughter's going to a birthday party. Uh, you know, for an eight-year-old, give me twenty gift ideas for an eight-year-old girl that isn't Barbie. Yeah, right. I have found that to be absolutely a game changer for me, particularly with Christmas coming up.
2: Yeah. I love that. I, like I said, I haven't really been using chat GBT for life stuff. I've almost mostly stuck to it with career. So you've like, you've opened up a whole new world for me. I can't wait to explore. Okay, Donna, these tips were incredible. I feel like they were very timely for this time of year too. tell people where they can find you, tell them the name of your books, your resources, and we'll put everything that you mentioned in the show notes as well.
3: All right. So I've written 11 books, so I won't uh, give you all the names of those. And the first seven I always say the first seven are rubbish anyways. Turns out you've got to write seven rubbish books before you get to your bestsellers. So the four books that are around productivity, the 25-minute meeting, the first two hours, the one-day refund, and then my most recent one was the ChatGPT Revolution. You can get access to all of those on my website, donnamcgeorge.com, but they're on all the good you know, online retailers, on, on Amazons and places like that. And I'm happy to provide links and whatever you might need to pop in the show notes. And then, of course, I'm on all social media platforms. I probably hang out the most on LinkedIn, but you'll occasionally find me on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And my last name is very unusual, Donna McGeorge, M-C-G-E-O-R-G-E. There aren't, uh, as far as I can tell, there aren't many of us about. So you should have no difficulty finding me.
2: Oh, good. Okay. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes and you'll send me the two free resources, which was the to-do list and then something for chat GPT, because we all are big fans of chat GPT. Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. We love these tips. Thank you so much, Lauren. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa Podcast. Please take your time to rate, review, and subscribe. Little insider tip, one review equals a thousand new downloads, and that's the number one way that you can support our show so we can be back here each week with amazing guests. I've also made sure to link to Donna's free resources in the show notes.